Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now for our featured speaker, Chloe Davis. Welcome. Uh, If I don't know you, my name is Chloe. Like I said earlier, I am on staff here at Christian Ministries Church, and we are continuing our Name of God series tonight. Tonight we will be talking about Jehovah Rohi. Jehovah and then Rohi is R-O-H-I, if you need to know how to spell it. Spell it, And uh, this stands for the Lord, our shepherd. And so tonight we're going to be talking about how the Lord is our shepherd. We've discussed what Jehovah means up to this point in our series. And if you haven't been here, let me quickly remind you, Jehovah means that he is self-sufficient and self-existent, which basically means that he is not dependent upon anyone or anything. Uh, He always has been, he always will be, and he has no beginning or end. He is Jehovah. Now, rohi is the Hebrew word for shepherd. The definition of shepherd here, when we talk about the Hebrew word of rohi, it means to tend or to feed. Um, So tend would be like to tend to, to take care of, or to feed. Uh, And more specifically, it refers to tending to a flock, tending to a flock of sheep. Uh, most specifically. Um, So to tend to something is to take care of it uh, and watch over it. So when we say that he is Jehovah-Rohi, we're claiming that he alone is the one who takes care of us and watches over us, that he always has and always will take care of us, that he always has and always will watch over us. Now, Jehovah-Rohi, it's most popularly popularly found in Psalm 23. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and and we're familiar with that. Uh, The Hebrew word rohi, it appears about 173 times throughout the Old Testament, uh, mainly because there is lots of talk about shepherds in the Old Testament. Uh, This was a common occupation for people in the time, Um, but there are also many times that the Hebrew word rohi is written in English as a capital S, shepherd, or God is called or compared to a shepherd who watches over his flock. So again, there are a lot of biblical instances where this is the case, and Psalm 23 being a huge one, and we're going to get to that uh, tonight. Uh, but we're going to look at a few of the biblical instances where God is referred to as Jehovah Rohi, shepherd. So Rohi, in reference to God, it appears first in Genesis chapter 48, verse 15, when Jacob blesses two boys. Jacob calls God the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this very day. So. Jacob uh, calls God the shepherd that's been his shepherd all of his life to to this very day. And so he recognizes God as the shepherd of his life. Jeremiah 31, verse 10. Listen to this message from the Lord, you nations of the world. Proclaim it in distant coastlands. The Lord who scattered his people will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. The Lord will watch over his people as a shepherd does his flock. Ezekiel 34 Uh, Verse 11 through 16. Now, all of Ezekiel 34 talks, has a language uh, about shepherds, uh, but there's this specific instance where the Lord is speaking, and this is what he says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I, so this is the Lord speaking, I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I, the Lord, will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them, 
feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. So basically in this passage, what the Lord is saying is he searches and he finds his sheep. He rescues them and he brings them back home. He feeds them and he places them near water and pastures, a place where they can rest in peace. And so when a sheep is placed near water, near a pasture, it's a place where, if it's a a green, luscious pasture, it's a place where they can eat. And if it's near water, it's a place where they can drink. So it's a place where they, all of their needs are met so they can rest in peace. And this is what he says. He tends to them, he cares for them, and he bandages the injured and strengthens the weak. Now the Lord says this, again, Ezekiel 34 has all of this language about shepherds. He says this in the midst of calling the shepherds of Israel out uh, for not doing their job. (laughs) And so it's a call-out moment for the shepherds of Israel. Um, So basically, he takes the shepherd's responsibility into his own hands and says, I myself will do these things. Um, And it's very prophetic of how he's speaking over his people, his sheep. What I love about the name Jehovah-Rohi is that knowing he is the self-sufficient, self-existent shepherd reminds me that I am a sheep. Not only does this name speak of who God is, but it also speaks of who we are in relation to him. We are his sheep. We see this biblically in a lot of different passages. I'm about to scripture blast you, okay? So we see this in Psalm 79, 13. Then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and ever, praising your greatness from generation to generation. We see this in Psalms chapter 95, verse 7. For he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. We see this in Psalm 100, verse 3. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Hebrews 13, 20, the great shepherd of the sheep. The Lord is referred to as the great shepherd of the sheep. Then we see this again in Mark chapter 6, verses 34 through 37. And I'm actually going to take a look at this story real quick if you want to turn there with me. Mark chapter 6. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So he sees this huge crowd, he steps out of the boat, and he has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. So he begins teaching them. That's his immediate response is to begin teaching the people who seem like a sheep without a shepherd. Late in the afternoon, his disciples come to him and they say, this is a remote place, it's getting very late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. These people need to eat. They've been here listening to you teach. And Jesus says, you feed them. And the disciples are like, with what? And uh, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. And if you're familiar with the story, this is where Jesus uh, feeds the 5,000. Now remember, rohi means to tend and to feed. So here, Jesus has compassion on the people because they are like sheep without a shepherd. So he teaches them, which interestingly enough, as he teaches them, what it does is it builds their appetite. And so eventually, the disciples have to come to him and say, hey, you've been teaching them, and this is a remote place, and so they need to go somewhere else to go buy food so they can eat. But instead of them going to get food on their own, Jesus feeds them. So think about this. When you sit under teaching for a period of time, 
So if you're in high school or if you're in college or if you, are, or if you have been in those, in those places, right, where you've sat under teaching for a long period of time or even when you're in, you're in church and you feel stretched under the word, um, when you sit under teaching for a period of time, even if you're not necessarily doing anything, so think about on Sunday morning when you're in church and you accidentally skipped breakfast and it's 12.05 and you're looking at your watch like I'm ready to get out of here because your stomach is so hungry because you've been sitting under the teaching of the word, right? Um, here, Jesus, stepping into the place of a shepherd, uh, he feeds the sheep with teaching and with physical food. And so there are two ways in which he feeds, the, he feeds the sheep, and they're not actual sheep, but he sees them as sheep. He sees these people without a shepherd as sheep. What's fascinating about this is that the teaching going forth, what it did was it built the appetite of the sheep. And so the sheep become hungry as they're sitting under the teaching of Jesus. And once the sheep were hungry, the shepherd, Jesus, fed them. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd, what he does is he keeps us hungry like sheep, longing to know their shepherd's voice. But he also keeps us fed because it's the shepherd's job to care for his sheep. So he keeps us hungry for more of him as we sit under his word, as we read his word, as we learn more about him, while also keeping us physically fed at the same time. He satisfies every need while also ministering to us a hunger that makes us long for more of him. So since we are clearly sheep according to the word, we need to understand a few things about sheep themselves. I've got three things for you that we need to understand about sheep. Number one, Sheep are one of the few animals that do not have a defense system. Uh, basically, they're defenseless without a shepherd. So a sheep cannot defend itself. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So here's another instance where Jesus has compassion on people. Um, and he has compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so what we need to understand about sheep is that they're defenseless. They cannot defend themselves. Literally, I'm talking about literal sheep here. Number two, sheep are known for following the leader regardless of how dangerous or foolish it may be. And so if you put a leader in front of a flock of sheep, the flock of sheep are going to gravitate towards that leader and follow that leader and do what that leader does um, and follow wherever that leader goes. Think about, um, in, a, in a biblical instance, think about what happened when Pilate brought Jesus before the people and asked what should be done to him. The same people who had witnessed his miracles just days before were shouting, crucify him. So sheep, and, and the thing is, is that Jesus, and in all throughout scripture, we see that we are, that we are being referred to as sheep. And so here we see that the sheep in this, in this story where they're yelling, crucify him. They're just following the next big thing to follow because they're sheep without a shepherd. Number three, sheep are prone to wander away from the flock. Sheep are prone to wander away from the flock. Isaiah chapter 53 verse six says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. See, a sheep's only chance of survival is with the flock under the care of the shepherd. That is a sheep's only chance of survival, with the flock under the care of the shepherd. We have to be under the care of the shepherd within a flock of sheep who are submitted to the shepherd. Sheep can become distracted, they can become rebellious, they can wander away, they can see greener grass in another direction, or they fail to notice when the flock is moving and so they all of a sudden are left behind because they weren't paying attention. 
When we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we're warned to stay alert and watch for the enemy because he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Well, think about this. A lion is less likely to attack the flock. It will look for the easier prey of a lamb who has wandered away from the shepherd. You see, the flock of sheep is submitted to the shepherd. They follow the shepherd because they know the shepherd's voice. And they know the shepherd's voice, and as a result, they follow the shepherd. It works both ways. When one sheep begins to wander away from the flock who is submitted to the shepherd, they're also wandering away from the shepherd because the shepherd is naturally leading the flock. That's his job. Now, biblically, we see in Luke 15 that the shepherd will leave the 99 to go after the one sheep who is lost, but that's because one sheep wandered away from the flock who was submitted to following the shepherd. Let me explain this in more uh, clear terms. I tell our CMA students uh, that if you walk away from biblical community, it's only a matter of time before you walk away from the Lord. And that's, and that's what's happening here. This is a biblical example of that. The shepherd is leading the flock. So if you step out of the flock, you're stepping away from the shepherd. Why is this so? Because we, the sheep, are defenseless and we will follow whatever leader happens to amuse us with high-sounding nonsense and philosophies. Sheep are prone to wander away from the flock, and as a byproduct of wandering away from the flock, we wander away from the shepherd, because the shepherd is the one leading the flock who is submitted to him. Peter echoes this same idea under the new covenant in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Okay, so now that we understand our position as the sheep, let's look into Psalm 23 uh, to learn more about our shepherd. So if you're not there, get there. Turn to Psalm 23 with me. I'll give you a second. So David, uh, being the writer of this psalm, he had years of experience as a shepherd. So he, when writing what we now read as Psalm 23, he knew what he was talking about when he talks about the Lord as a shepherd. We even learn in 1 Samuel chapter 17 that when a lion or bear would come to steal a lamb from his flock, from David's flock, uh, David would go after it and rescue the lamb. So let's look at Psalm 23. Verse 1. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Two key things in the first three words, or first four words. He is my shepherd. Not he was my shepherd, or he's my shepherd when I feel like submitting to him, or when it's convenient to me, etc. Fill in the blank. The Lord is my shepherd. It's, this is a positional alignment with the Lord. He is my shepherd. Not was, not will be. He is present tense, my shepherd. He may have shepherded my mom, my dad, my grandparents, my spiritual leaders, but he is my shepherd. So we, what we see here is we see a present. He is and then we see my, which is personal, okay? So he is presently my personal shepherd. He's not my shepherd through someone else. He's my shepherd. The Lord is, present tense, my personal shepherd. Because he is my shepherd, and only if he is my shepherd, I can honestly say that I have all that I need. That's what that passage says. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And so, if he is my shepherd, I can honestly say that I have all that I need. I'll give you a quick story. Uh, the other day, someone paid for my groceries, uh, 
in, I was in Dollar General and someone paid for my groceries. And afterward, I sat in my car and I thought to myself, if I lived in lack, I wouldn't see this as a blessing. I would see it as a debt that God owed to me or something I deserved. But because I have all that I need, because I have him and he leads me, everything additional is just a blessing. Which brings us to a great question. How do I know if I'm trusting him to be my shepherd? How do I know that he is the Lord, the shepherd of my life? Uh, I'll answer that question with another question. Are you, as a sheep of this flock, being led by him? Are you willing to submit to him, to come under his authority? Uh, Are you being led by him? If God is not leading you, uh, your shepherd is someone or something else. Uh, And if you're calling the shots and leading your own life, then congrats, you are your own shepherd. And so we have to ask ourselves, and you know, there are so many times within the Psalms that David prays, evaluate my heart, test my motives, Lord. And so this is one of those instances where we get to ask the Lord to evaluate our heart and to test our motives, uh, because we want to make sure that he is our shepherd and he is the one leading our lives. And the reality is, is that this is not only with finances, but with every area of our lives. We do not live in a place of lack because we have all that we need because he is our shepherd. Not because the president is doing great in office or because our finances are just perfect or because our circumstances in life are working out great. Not because of any of those things. Not because my dreams have come true and I have my, my, my dream boyfriend or whatever, fill in the blank for what that would look like for you. It's because he's my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have all that I need. I don't live in lack, I live in blessing. Let's look at verse two. Verse two, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Verse three, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Catch this, he lets me rest. He leads me, he renews He guides me. And as we continue to go through Psalm 23, I want us to pay attention to what is his part and what is our part, which we're going to talk more about later. Verse 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. He walks with us right through the valley of the shadow of death. He is there with us through the real hardship the sickness, the loss, the heartache, the disappointment, the crushed dreams, the grief, the discouragement, even though David, who was the one who wrote this psalm, even though he walked through difficulty, he declared, I will not be afraid. How can we honestly say that we're not afraid? When we know from the second part of verse four, not just in our minds, but in the deep places of who we are, that he is close beside us. Not just a head knowledge, yeah, I know God's with me, but man, I know in the deep place of my heart that God is with me, that he has not left me, that he walks beside me. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. You see, a shepherd, what a shepherd's job is, and there are a lot of things that go into a shepherd's job, but one of the many facets of a shepherd's job is to prod and pull at the sheep who is restless, the sheep who is tempted to veer off course, the sheep who is afraid, And the thing is, the the shepherd doesn't prod and pull out of punishment or discipline, but to remind the sheep of the shepherd's presence. With his staff, he pulls us to safety. And with his rod, he crushes the prowling lion that charges towards us. 
His rod and his staff comfort me because they are reminders that he's there. Verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Okay, wait, hold up. (laughs) All of this sounds really great until we get to this verse. He's my shepherd, he lets me rest, he leads me, I won't be afraid. Okay, but why has he prepared a feast for me in the presence of my enemies? (laughs) Would it not make more sense for him to prepare a feast for me in his presence? Would, I mean, that makes more sense to me, I don't know about you guys, but it would make more sense to me for him to prepare a feast in his presence, not in the presence of my enemies. That's something's not correlating there. Well, see, our shepherd, he wants us to know that he's with us in the midst of pain, trials, and struggles, uh, but he also wants our enemy to know that as well. Think about it. David did not hide his sheep from the green grass, from the still water. Now, we would naturally think that that's where the most protection would be for his flock would be to hide from those things, to hide in a cave or something like that. Uh, No prowling lion could even see the flock if they were hidden in a cave or hidden behind something. But the shepherd David had more in store for the flock than to be hidden away. He let his flock rest in green pastures and walk beside still waters, even though it meant that the flock would be seen by any lion or bear that tried to attack the flock. But the great thing is that David was a good shepherd who stayed with the flock and he would defeat the lion or the bear by clubbing it to death. It's literally when you look in 1 Samuel 17, David literally says that he would club anything that tried to to take a sheep to death. Um, And so this is what we need to know. Our shepherd uh, isn't going to hide us from the pains of this life. Now, that would make more sense to us in, in some regards. Uh, and he's, but he's not going to do that. He's going to hide us. He isn't going to hide us from the pains of this life, but he's going to stand there and defend us when the enemy comes. Now the flock, because they follow the shepherd, they keep their eyes on the shepherd. So when a lion or a bear comes around, they don't run off. Remember, they're defenseless, and so their only hope is the shepherd with them. The shepherd is their protection, so if they run off, they're, they're goners, okay? The sheep has to recognize the shepherd is enough. No one else is coming to shave, save the sheep because no one else cares for the sheep like the shepherd does. We recognize how much the shepherd cares for us and comes to our defense when the prowling lion comes around. And what happens is when the enemy comes around, when the prowling lion starts to circle the flock, starts to circle you, you start, it's really easy to start looking at that lion, looking at that bear. Whoa, that thing is big, okay? But when you keep your eyes on the shepherd, you recognize that lion ain't got nothing against my shepherd. And that's the, that's the goal. The enemy also has to recognize that the shepherd is enough. So we as the sheep, we have to recognize that the shepherd is enough, that any attack from the enemy is not gonna get to me because the shepherd is my defender, and I recognize that I, as the sheep, am defenseless, but we also want the enemy to recognize that the shepherd is enough. The shepherd is going to fight off the lion or the bear, and we're not just going to run because the enemy comes around. Continuing in verse 5, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Verse 6, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So let's recap Psalm 23 really quick. The Lord is present, my personal shepherd. He is not my shepherd through someone else. He is my shepherd. He lets me rest. He leads me. He renews my strength. He guides me. 
So what is our role? We walk and we refuse to be afraid because he is close beside us. He protects and comforts us. He prepares a feast for us. He honors us and our cup overflows. So there's this, there's this symmetry thing happening where there are things the Lord does and there are things that we do. And if you missed Pastor Tim's message on Sunday, July 2nd, you need to go back and listen to it because all throughout scripture, God has a part and we have a part. His goodness and unfailing love pursues us all the days of our lives and we live in the house of the Lord forever. So in Psalm 23, our part is to trust in him as our shepherd, walking through life and refusing to be afraid because he is with us. And out of that nearness, because we are walking with the flock under the care of our shepherd, we let our cup overflow and we live in the house of the Lord forever. We recognize that we need the good shepherd because without him we are defenseless. We are like defenseless sheep that cannot sheep who cannot defend defend themselves. And we stay near the flock because to stay near the flock that is submitted to the shepherd is to stay near the shepherd. Now, what does that mean? It means to be in church, be in community of people that preach the word of God and believe in the word of God alongside of you. Stay with your flock and stay with your flock who is submitted to the shepherd. And as he is present, my personal shepherd, I submit to him. See, we have to be a submitted flock. We can't be a rebellious flock, a wandering away flock. We must be a submitted flock individually, a submitted sheep that make a flock. As he is present, my personal shepherd, I submit to him as he lets me rest. I submit to him and he lets me rest. As he leads me, I submit to him and he leads me. I submit to him and he renews my strength. As he guides me, as he protects me, as he comforts me, as he prepares a feast for me, as he honors me, as his goodness and his unfailing love pursue me all the days of my life, I submit. I walk with the flock. That kind of rhymes. I walk with the flock. That'll be easy for you to remember. I walk with the flock and I submit myself under the care of my shepherd. Jehovah Rohi. It means the Lord, our shepherd. He tends to us, he cares for us, and he watches over us as a shepherd does his flock. And as a sheep, we must submit to him and let him lead us because that's his job, to poke, to prod, to pull. Stay with the flock, stay under the care of the shepherd, and watch him walk and fulfill all the things that Psalm 23 claims. Will you stand with me? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. And so, Lord, right now, we just submit to you. Lord, we say that, that you are the Lord, our shepherd, and that we have all that we need. God, we live in a place of blessing and abundance and not lack. Lord, we thank you that we get to be near to you. God, I thank you that we get to gather and be a part of a flock. That, Lord, we may be defenseless, but you, shepherd, are our defender. And so, Lord, we trust in you to defend us, to come to our rescue. We trust you, Lord, that you are going to take care of us and to, and to pull us in the right direction, to lead us and to guide us and to protect us and to comfort us. God, we trust in you and we submit to you. We want to be led by you, Jehovah Rohi. We love you, Abba, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. 
If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.